0: Hey, listeners, this is your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. If you're looking for a way to support my podcast, here are three quick things you can do. Number one, visit iTunes and review the show. More reviews help get the word out. Number two, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and support my shows. A dollar a month helps a little, and five bucks a month helps a whole lot more and gets you some neat things in return. Number three, tell a friend about the show by sharing links to your favorite episodes via social media. As always, thanks for listening and supporting my podcasts. And now, on with the show. users and programs, and welcome to episode number 10 of Cactus Flack's podcast, the show in which I will be discussing all of the arcade cabinets that I actually owned. I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's show, I will be covering three games, Heavy Barrel, Time Soldiers, and Gondomania. All three of these games were released in 1987, Heavy Barrel was released by Data East, Time Soldiers was released by Romstar, and Gondomania was also released by Data East. As always, we'll kick the show off with a review of the games, followed by my personal memories of owning the actual arcade cabinets. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. Now, this is going to be a little bit tricky because I'm reviewing three games instead of one. Um, But the reason that I am grouping these all together is because they are all uh, very similar styles of games. They are all vertical scrolling games. And more importantly, they all use the same kind of joystick, which is a rotating joystick. And that allows you to... Uh, control the direction of your player character separately from which way you are aiming. Uh, Again, those are um, Heavy Barrel, Time Soldiers, and Gondomania. The goal of all of these games is to beat level after level, to get weapon upgrades, and make it through multiple levels until you get to the end of the game. Uh, Some of these games were released on other systems. Heavy Barrel made it to the Apple II. It was released for DOS and for uh, the Nintendo NES. Time Soldiers made it to more systems. It made it to the Amiga, uh, the Atari ST, the Commodore 64, and the Sega Master System. Gondomania was out by itself. It was only released uh, in arcades. So my review of these games is going to be very generic. Uh, My review of Heavy Barrel, I would say you are one or two players going through multiple levels of uh, jungle and uh, desert background, similar to Commando. And the goal is to, uh, like I said, build up your weapons. You have two buttons. One is your normal fire. Uh, The other one is your special power. I think it's uh, actually grenades in Heavy Barrel. And, uh, your goal is to beat as many levels as you can and get to the end. Uh, time soldiers is exactly the same, except for the different levels, uh, or different eras in time, different periods in time as you travel through time instead of, uh, being a war setting, but it's the exact same thing. You level up, uh, I mean, you, you know, you level up your, uh, or power up, I should say your weapons. You have two fire buttons, uh, and you try to make it to the end. Gondomania is the exact same thing, except for on it, you are, Uh, flying on um, what I would call speeder bikes from Return of the Jedi. (laughs) You are on floating motorcycles, and you are going level after level and shooting bad guys. So essentially all three of these are very, very similar in design and style. Uh, Just the difference being, you know, the, the look of the enemies and the actual layouts of the backgrounds. So my history before purchasing these games, I was familiar with them uh, in arcades. I was more, uh, I would say when I think of this style of game, I really think of Ikari Warriors. I mean, that to me is the quintessential uh, game where you use a rotating joystick and aim. But uh, I was definitely familiar with Heavy Barrel. I kind of saw it as a Ikari Warriors knockoff. Um, You you know, I, I think of Ikari Warriors as being like, more like Rambo and uh I think of Heavy Barrel as being more like Commando. Uh so a little bit different but you know <laughs> not not that different. Um but I had definitely played these games uh before in the arcade. I had played Time Soldiers before the same thing. Um I don't think I had ever played Gondomania and what's funny is I had it confused uh, with another game. I think I had it confused with Dragon Spirit, which is a uh a shoot 'em up type game where you are actually controlling dragons. So I think I had that confused um before I purchased it. But this is the part of the show where I talk about how I acquired the game, and this is a heck of a story. This is uh featured in the first chapter of Invading Spaces, but I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you the story. Uh, from my own memory, so I was a uh, member of the digital press forums for many years. in fact, I was a uh a moderator and then an admin of the forums for quite quite a long time several years um and I had just you know we are at the point of the story where i was uh you know i just started collecting uh, arcade cabinets in the new arcade and there was a guy on the forum that said he was selling. Uh, a heavy barrel arcade game for $200 and he was throwing in an additional uh, PCB, which turned out to be Gondomania. Uh, so $200, that sounded like a pretty good deal to me. Now, the one catch was that the game was for sale in Houston, Texas. And I live in Yukon, which is right outside of Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. Now Dallas is, um, From me, about three-and-a-half to four-hour drive. Usually it's about three-and-a-half-hour drive. Uh, And then Houston is about double, you know. So we're looking at – actually, I just looked it up on Google Maps. It's 460 miles one way. So, uh, you know, seven, eight hours, depending on traffic, something like that. And one of my best friends, uh, Justin – If you listen to my other podcasts, every story I have involves one of three people. It's Andy, Jeff, or Justin. So, uh, Justin was my, um, well, they all had Commodore computers, which is no surprise, but, uh, Andy and Jeff live local to me. Well, Justin did too, but he lived, uh, probably half an hour away. Uh, but by the time this story takes place, Justin had moved to Dallas, Texas, which was halfway between here and Houston. So Justin said, I could drive to Dallas pick him up and he would go the, the second half of the trip with me. We would load the game up and then I could drop him off, uh, in Dallas on the way home. So the, uh, the day comes and we are going to uh, go down and get this arcade game. Now this is, um, definitely the furthest that I would have transported an arcade game. I had moved some arcade games, um, you know, across town or from my dad's house to here and from local auctions, but I had never moved one, you know, on the interstate, I don't think. Uh, so this was definitely new. And my dad had just purchased a trailer and the trailer is about eight foot wide by 16 foot long. It has uh, little rails that come up on the side, but, um, uh, you know, to, to put an arcade game on there, you would still have to strap it down and stuff. So this is, uh, like I said, this was a new adventure for me. So <clears throat> I, uh, got the trailer, hooked it up to my truck. I drove to Dallas and I picked up Justin. We hopped in the car. Uh, so this was, uh, I don't remember what time we left, probably six in the morning. I would say I picked him up around 10. Uh, and after I picked him up, we got on the interstate, went a little bit further and then traffic suddenly was completely stopped. And so as I looked around, Uh, you know, it dawns on me that this is OU Texas weekend. Now, if you're not a college football fan, or if you're not from the South, that might not sound like a big deal to you, but let me tell you, (laughs) uh, it has its own name. It's called the red river rivalry because in between Oklahoma and Texas, the border is actually drawn by the red river. Uh, it is a huge, huge thing that happens every year. Why? Why? The date escaped me i 'm not sure if it if I had realized it I would have either rescheduled or taken a completely different route, but i didn't so here I am, basically on the road that goes to where this football game takes place, so not only am I stuck in traffic and people are honking and trying to move over and this and that, uh, but people are flipping me off because I have Oklahoma tags, and we 're in Texas, so they assume that I'm there for the OU Texas game. I have watched the OU Texas game many times, almost every year, I would say, but I normally do it from the comfort of my own home. (laughs) I don't travel uh, to Texas to do it. So uh, this adds probably an hour to an hour and a half, uh, you know, to our trip time, just being stuck trying to get through Dallas. But eventually we do get through and we start making our way south uh, down to Houston. And as we, I'm probably somewhere between an hour and 45 minutes away from where we're going, uh, it starts raining, which I had not anticipated happening at all. So we make a detour. We go to, it was either Home Depot or Love's. I don't remember. We we went to one of those places, uh, and bought tarps. So I bought uh, two or three, you know, oh gosh, I don't know what they are. Probably eight foot by eight foot tarp, something like that. I mean, these really large tarps, you know, and then I had, um, two tie down straps, which I had brought with me. And I thought that would be enough. I would wrap one, uh, around, you know, the arcade cabinet, like around the middle and one over the top. And and that would be enough to hold it in place. Uh, but I hadn't anticipated having to tie down all these tarps and everything either. So, um, but anyway, so I had these two tie downs and I have these tarps now. And the GPS is going nuts. Now, I don't think at this time I actually had a real, like a car GPS. I believe we were using this, um, USB, uh, GPS that I had that hooked up to a laptop because this was really before, I think this is 2003. This is before I had a GPS in my car. Uh, so It's not updated and it's telling me like, I mean, this is a new housing edition that's surrounded by, um, you know, new roads. So it's telling me like, I don't know, like drive across this field, try that (laughs) or go through this ditch. I mean, things that just don't make sense. So uh, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out where to go. I've called the the guy and it was a young, younger guy, you know, and I'm like, Hey, we're trying to get there. You know, it's raining. We got stuck in traffic. I think I told him we would be there by, you know, 2 PM or something like that. And now it's dinner time. I mean, it's six, six thirty. We have been gone for 12 or I've been gone for 12 hours. Uh, so, and it's really a mess. This trip has, has not gone well. We get to the house, we get out of the truck. Um, Justin and I are both just drenched. You know, it's just a downpour. We go up to the house and we knock on the door, ring the bell. And, uh, this gentleman comes to the door and, you know, middle-aged guy, he's probably in his mid forties. And, uh, he says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, we're, we're here to pick up the arcade game. And the guy just looks at me and he turns around and he says, Kevin. <laughs> And, uh, this kid yells from the back room, it's my game and I could do what I want with it. So it hits me that Kevin is selling his arcade game and has not told his parents. So this becomes even more awkward. So we go into this house and this house is like, the only way I could describe it is like a house, uh, that you would see in an eighties sitcom. First of all, the carpet is white. The walls are white. They're just covered with pictures. Um, it's just very, you know, it looks almost like a, a TV movie set. And uh, and everything's white. Even the furniture was white. So we bring this, my dolly in, which has been riding on the trailer. So it's been being rained on for an hour, you know, trying to dry this thing off. Roll the dolly uh, down the hallway to the kid's bedroom. He shows me the arcade game and I, I give him the money. And now... We're trying to wheel this arcade game down the hallway and I'm not exaggerating. There was like an inch or two inches on each side or either side of the arcade machine. I mean, the hallway is so narrow and I'm bumping into (laughs) these family portraits and stuff that they have hanging on the wall. So I'm knocking stuff. I mean, I know that we knocked at least one thing off the wall. Uh, And, and, you know, I'm just like, Oh God, you know, just get us out of this. That's (laughs) all I wanted to do. And we get to the living room. And of course the parents are just like staring me down, you know, and I'm like, it's not my fault. Like I didn't, I walked into this situation. I had no idea uh, what I was walking into. So, Uh, we, we wheel the arcade game out to the trailer. We throw a tarp over it as quickly as we can. Uh, we didn't even try to stand it up. We just laid it down on the trailer, tuck this tarp, like, like you would tuck a kid into bed. We throw a tarp over and we just tuck the tarp underneath. Uh, and I told Justin, let's get out of here. We'll go to a car wash or something, uh, and, and like readjust everything. He says, good idea. So. We hop in the truck, we back out of this, uh, this driveway. Um, we drive down the street. We're looking for a, a car, like a, um, a car wash or something where we can pull under, you know, this, uh, like an overhead, you know, like uh, pull into where it's dry and we can adjust it. I look in the rear view mirror and all I can see is blue. And what's happened is the front of the tarp has come out from underneath the machine, and it's just making, like, a huge parachute (laughs) of blue tarp. It is just inflated, and wind is blowing in it and everything, and I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) So we pull over somewhere. uh, We retuck the tarp down. We throw these these straps over, and then we found a, um, I think it was a bank drive-through, and we pulled in. And, uh, we, we scooched the arcade cabinet up to the front. We, we tucked the tarp in and then we ran these, um, uh, (laughs) I had bought the wrong kind of straps. Now I have, uh, you know, the small kind of straps that usually come like four to a pack. Uh, I, I found them, I think they were labeled as like ATV tie downs, you know, for people that transport their, their jet ski or their four wheeler, things like that. But the ones that I had bought, uh, are like. Like those are probably, oh, maybe the strap is an inch wide. And the ones I bought, the straps were like four inches wide. They're yellow and they're made for like tying down a car. (laughs) If you're going to put a car on a trailer. Uh, So it was way overkill. We just wrapped them all and they were super long. Like I needed, you know, eight foot straps or 10 foot straps. And the ones I bought were like 30 foot long or something. So uh, we're, we're pulling all the slack up, but we got it tied down. And then in the same parking lot was a CC's Pizza. I don't know if you are familiar with CC's Pizza. It's big here uh, in the uh, south and southwest, but I don't know how far the chain uh, actually goes. But when CC's Pizza, it's a buffet, more or less it's a buffet. I think you can actually order pizza for carryout, but um, everybody goes there for the buffet. And when it started, it was uh, $2.99. For all you can eat pizza, and then a drink was like a dollar extra. So it's where like um, starving college kids went to go eat pizza. Uh, but it has turned into like, <sighs> hmm, like where people go uh, if you have 20 kids <laughs> you need to feed, or you have a birthday party, uh, or you're completely poor then that's where you go. So it's never like, you never go to CC's and you never, you'll never find anybody there wearing a tie. <laughs> I mean, it's always just like mass pandemonium. It's crazy, but th- it was right there and I could leave the truck where we had parked it. So we parked it there uh, and we went to CC's and it was just people screaming. I remember like going through the line to get pizza and looking down and there being a puddle everywhere I stood cause water's just dripping off me cause we were so wet. Uh, and we sat inside CC's. Um, and I think the end of the football game was on actually, I think we watched the end of the OU Texas football game and we, we sat in there, we were shivering because the air conditioner was on and we were just soaking wet. We dried off in there. And, um, uh, then when we were done, uh, we got in the car, Uh, or in the truck and drove back to Dallas, which was, you know, four hours away, dropped Justin off. And then I drove another four hours, uh, back to Oklahoma city. So I got home, I think a little bit after midnight, if I remember right. Uh, so then it comes to the next day. Now I have this, uh, arcade cabinet. It's out on the truck trailer. I put it on my, uh, (laughs) I put it on my dolly. And I had to wheel it by myself from my driveway, through the front yard, through my gate, uh, all the way through the backyard, and then into my backyard arcade. And um, my fence, the stockade fence, was actually built on a concrete, um, I don't know what you would call it. Uh, It's like a little thing where uh, a lot of times fences around here, like they rot, the bottoms of them rot if they touch the ground, so... Uh, it's like a little concrete trough to, to keep the water away from the fence. The, the guy we bought the house from, uh, owned a fence company. So it was the best fence I ever owned in my life. And, uh, so to move games on the dolly, you had to kind of get a running start to kind of hop over this little concrete thing. And so uh, I'm by myself. I got the, the gate propped open. I hit that little concrete thing. And the dolly just wobbles around, and I drop the arcade game. I mean, it falls right off the dolly into my backyard, lands on its side. It was going slow, and I actually grabbed it and kind of rode it over to the ground. (laughs) Like something that was falling, and I rode on top of it. Uh, And then I went flying over it as it hit the ground. I was able to stand it back up and get it on the dolly and wheeled it into the arcade. And when I did... Uh, I finally plugged it into the wall, and it didn't work. Now, it had worked when I picked it up in Houston, but by the time I got it home, and this is a repeating story for me, (laughs) by the time I transported it, uh, I had broken it somehow. So this was the first game that I did any repairs on, and I opened up the back, and the video cables that went uh, to the monitor uh, from, I I don't remember if the daughter board had come off or the actual video cable had come off one or the other, but whatever it was, it was obvious to me what it was. I plugged it back in and the game fired up. So I think it's something that fell off possibly when I dropped the arcade game. Go figure. Uh, (laughs) so anyway, I have uh, a lot of, uh, memories about that specific, uh, arcade cabinet. And I remember when I bought this cabinet, I didn't really know, what, uh, was on the sides of arcade cabinets. Um, and and this sounds dumb in retrospect now, uh, because some of them are painted and some of them are covered in formica for like, you know, um, formica or something similar to that, like a laminate. Uh, and then this one was covered in an actual vinyl, like a gray vinyl. And there was a little tiny piece that, uh, was, was coming off. And so I tried to peel that piece off. And by the time it came off, I had peeled off half of the vinyl on one side. Um, and I never fixed it the whole time I owned it. It looked like, um, an explosion where half of it was wood and half of it was gray vinyl. Uh, I had always thought about peeling the rest off or painting over it, but, um, one of the things I found with arcade games was it was a lot cheaper to just buy another arcade game and put it right next to that one. So nobody ever saw the side of this machine anyway. (laughs) Uh, So like I said, I got home and I had heavy barrel and he had also given me a complete gondomania game kit. I had the PCB, I had the marquee and I had the bezel so I could switch uh, between the two games. And I thought that's pretty cool. Uh, So, I bought Time Soldiers, the PCB, uh, and then I had a third one. So I would just store the uh, PCBs inside the cabinet, and if I wanted to play a different game, I would turn the cabinet off, switch the harness over, turn it back on, and I would play the other game. I wanted to get Ikari Warriors, but I couldn't find one for sale. But on eBay, I found Ikari Warriors 3, Uh, And I thought, well, that's, you know, I don't really care if it's one or two or three or whatever. So I bought Ikari Warriors three. And when I got that one, I found out that it's actually a horizontal game, not a vertical game like all the other ones. So uh, when you plugged it in, it displayed the game sideways. So I was never able to play it, but I did resell uh, that one. Uh, So anyway, I talked about the repairs that I did. Uh, When I sold it. Uh, I sold all the other PCBs separate and then I sold the heavy barrel game by itself. So, uh, this is one that I might have made a, uh, a profit on, or at least broke even, you know, in my world of arcade things, I've said this before, if I ever broke even on something, I call that a win because <laughs> I lost money selling so many of these things. Uh, it's not even funny. Uh, I looked up current prices for this, uh, according to, uh, um, Exidy's Arcade Price Guide, uh, a heavy barrel cabinet, he lists it at $250 to $300 for a converted one or 350 to 400 for a dedicated one. And Like I said, I paid 200 uh, with some additional parts, so I, I think I got a pretty good deal on mine. Uh, Gondomania lists at $200 to $300, and Time Soldiers, he says, is worth $250 to $350. So those are all, you know, $200, 300 cabinets. They're not super expensive. Um, I think there were a lot of games like this that were similar. So I, I would expect Ikari Warriors. I didn't look it up. I would expect it to be worth probably more just because it had more name recognition. And a lot of people knew it. Um, you know, both from the Nintendo version and from the arcade. So, uh, it doesn't surprise me that Gondomania is worth uh, the least of the three, because I think it was the least popular. It didn't have any arcade por- or uh, home ports of it. So it was probably the least well-known of the three. Uh, if you want to own these games, they're not that expensive. I checked, uh, completed eBay auctions Uh, you, I found a heavy barrel PCB for $79 and I found a complete kit with the PCB marquee and bezel sold for $99. Uh, there were time soldiers, PCBs that have sold recently for $40 and $30 and gondomania PCB. I saw two, one sold for 50, one sold for 30. So these are not, uh, particularly expensive. Now your expense is going to come. And having the joysticks, if you really wanted to put this into, uh, an arcade cabinet, you would need the joysticks. Now I did find a set of joysticks with the wiring harness that sold, uh, for $21, which is not bad. But, uh, if you're playing other games on the cabinet, it's definitely not going to feel authentic. And if you play this with regular joysticks, you'll find it very frustrating. If you watch the video bonus footage on this week's episode, Uh, you'll see that it's almost impossible to play without uh, the proper joysticks. So I'll talk a little bit about MAME uh, and playing this game. There are different ways to set up uh, MAME or configure MAME. uh, So again, let's talk about these joysticks. The joysticks themselves, the tops of them, actually rotate. So you can move your player in eight characters... But if you don't rotate the stick, you'll always be shooting up towards the top of the screen. So you have to rotate the joystick to shoot diagonal, left, behind you, whatever. Uh, And you'll have to do that to survive in these games. You'll have waves of enemies that come from behind you or from the sides. Um, You're not always moving from the bottom to the top of the screen. Uh, sometimes you, you'll you go up for a while and then you'll have to go right or left uh, and you'll be facing enemies that way. So uh, in the video, I'll show you how to configure uh, different ways uh, to configure MAME to run. Now, what I use is a joystick. It's a um, it's a USB stick, but it looks like an original PlayStation joystick. Uh, it's a Gravis, it's a newer Gravis style one that's a USB And what I've done is I've configured for that game the left and right shoulder buttons to the left and right rotate buttons. Um, It doesn't work perfectly, though. Uh, So I don't know if that's a setting that I missed on MAME or if it just doesn't emulate well. I do know that you can also uh, set it up like a spinner. So if you have a spinner for your MAME console or, or you can even map it to your mouse if you want to do that. So there are ways to do it. None of them are particularly uh, authentic to the arcade setup. But if you want to play them, there are ways uh, to play these games. Uh, would I buy this game again? It's possible. And the reason is because uh, I'm big on games that don't uh, emulate perfectly and MAME or are difficult to recreate that. And there are enough games like this. I mean, not just heavy barrel and gondomania and time soldiers, but Icari warriors and, uh, and there are other games that use these joysticks. So Uh, if I found one cheap and I were in the market for buying a game, this might be a cabinet that I bought just because they're, they're JAMA, you know, so they're easy to swap out those other PCBs and you could have. Half a dozen different games that use these uh, unique controls that don't uh, translate to you know a keyboard easily in MAME. So uh, it, it they're fun. They're definitely more fun with two players than one player, like a lot of these types of games. Uh, and even more so, uh, the game that I'll be talking about uh, next week, which is a typical uh, shoot 'em up game. Uh, you know, I'm not particularly good at a lot of these types of games. So to have somebody by my side. Uh, that's a little bit better makes them more fun so um yeah these are uh, a fun kind of game like i said you're you're um not a lot of uh, brains involved it's just shooting moving forward dodging bullets uh rotating around it and shooting things 360 degrees around you so uh fun to play uh, it's an interesting genre It doesn't translate 100% to MAME, so if you run across, if you go to any of these retro arcades uh, around and you see one, you definitely want to try it on the original hardware, Uh, and I think you'll probably enjoy it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cactus Flax. You can find more episodes of Cactus Flax over at podcast.robohara.com. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email at robohara at robohara.com. Find me on Twitter at Commodork, or follow this page on Facebook.com forward slash Cactus Flax. You can also leave a voicemail on the Rob O'Hara podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. Cactus Flax is a proud member of Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. To find this and other retro-themed podcasts, visit throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening.